everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. We have a very special guest here today, Dr. Angela Fitch, the Chief Medical Officer of KnownWell. How are you today? I am wonderful, Jared. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to have you. And, and you, you're, I, I really love your background. It's super interesting. So you're Chief Medical Officer of KnownWell, and then you are also the, the President of the Obesity Medicine Association. So uh, when you're giving us that the, your your background intro, would really love to kind of hear how uh, how you're kind of you're a busy person. I can already tell um, how how you're spending your time. But I'll, I'll let you you give your your background, and then we'll talk about known well and uh, some uh, some cool obesity topics. Yeah, well, thank you so much. So I started my career in primary care. So I'm board certified in internal medicine and pediatrics. So I'm double boarded in those two specialties. So I, that means I take care of both adults and children. And then I developed a love for wellness, weight management, nutrition, and obesity care. So I got board certified in obesity in 2012. And then I've been doing a pretty much full-time obesity care until now, until recently. So I was, I built a weight center at the University of Cincinnati, and I was mostly spent most of my time in academic medical center. And then I came to Boston to be the co-director of the Mass General Weight Center here in Boston. And then I most recently, as you mentioned, uh, left Mass General in order to start my own uh, clinic along with my co-founder, Brooke Boyarski-Pratt. Um, and so we came together to form the first of its kind comprehensive longitudinal care clinic for people with metabolic health issues with overweight or obesity that also delivers not only obesity treatment, but primary care at the same time. So we can deliver both obesity care and primary care at the same time. And given that there are 70% um, of the US population has some sort of struggle with their weight, um, it is a very large population of people that might be looking for this non-stigmatizing unbiased care because a lot of people feel very stigmatized you know, by their weight and weight issues. And, in our country. And so we want to make sure there's a place for everyone to come and everyone to feel accepted and everyone to be able to get treatment uh, that they deserve for all, all conditions, you know, not just their weight management, but other conditions as well. And as you mentioned, I'm the president of the BC Medicine Association for the past year. Uh, my term ends in April. Um, and that's just been a, a side, you know, uh, passion for me to advance that nonprofit organization. We're the largest organization of clinicians who practice obesity care in the country. Um, and uh, we have over 5,000 members. And we started in 1950, 1950, um, as the American Society of Bariatric Physicians. We changed our name to be more inclusive of other people other than physicians. And so we're just here to advocate and try to educate on the disease of obesity and how it is treated as a chronic disease. And between those, between known well and uh, your your duties as president, you you must be a very busy person. So we appreciate you coming on and and spending some time here with us today. Uh, let's for for our audience. Let's assume there's some that haven't heard of known well. Tell us a little bit more about known well, where things are at today. Um, you know, maybe maybe where things are heading. What you can share with us. Yes, it's very exciting. So like I said, we, we formed this clinic idea, you know, as a private practice, essentially, uh, in order to deliver this unbiased and non-stigmatizing care. You know, the idea that you can walk into your healthcare provider and feel welcome and not feel like, you know, people, people come in all the time and say to me, you know, I haven't been to the doctor in 10 years because last time I went in, 
you know, they sort of got mad at me for my weight. And no one does that intentionally, right? We don't do that intentionally in our society. But sort of subconsciously, this idea of, you know, trying to help people with weight management, but not really helping them, right? Saying, did you know your weight's a problem? Um, you should fix it. And patients are like, yeah, but I've been trying and it hasn't been working, right? And so again, they feel very much to blame for their disease, even though they're not to blame. It's a biological condition that, you know, is, um, is a dysfunctional, you know, storage of excess energy in the human body. And, you know, that's really what, um, you know, we came together to create known well so that we could take care of patients throughout the whole course of their lifetime. Because again, a lot of the care we have in this field in obesity space is very episodic, right? You might go over here to Weight Watchers or you go to Jenny Craig or you go to this clinic or you go to that clinic, right? But it's not cared for holistically across your whole lifetime. And so we started the clinic here in Boston. And then in this next year here, we're gonna launch uh, more clinics across the country. And we do both virtual care via telemedicine, and we also have an in-person clinic so people can actually come in, you know, for some of the care they might need, especially from a primary care standpoint. During the pandemic, right, there was obviously a huge push towards virtual care. You just mentioned, you know, kind of having that that all-around approach. Can we talk a little bit about why, um, why that's so important to kind of have that multi-pronged approach? Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, I've done virtual care. I like to say I was an early adopter because I remember doing my first virtual visit back in 2005. Um, that's 2005. That's almost 20 years ago when I did a, a virtual visit as a healthcare provider. Um, and so we just have this, right? We, we were doing it back then um, as it was starting to be done, but it, it, it really gained adoption, right, during the pandemic. I say all the time it took 20 years in a pandemic to make telemedicine the, the sort of thing it is today, right? Um, and so, but again, it's so important, I think, also for patients to understand that this is a, there, we also have a place you can come, right? I feel like it validates things a little bit, makes it more like a, you know, you're not just getting a random doctor that you might call into that might be on the other end of the line. You know, this is like your care team and we're here for you, but we also see you virtually. You know, and I think I think patients like that a little bit. You know that we that we have a clinic and a place, even if they never come. You know, I think it just makes us seem like we are are more sort of um, there for them. You know, um, in in every shape, uh, every way, shape, or form, if they need it. Yeah, it, it gives them that that extra feeling that there's support there at, yeah. at every at every turn, right? So I, I really like that approach. And we also can do testing in the clinic that we can't do yet you know, across the country very easily, meaning we do body composition testing. So, you know, with um, obesity treatment, we're really focused on, you know, getting rid of excess body fat, right? It's not about, you know, what you weigh, you know, you don't want to be, I tell patients all the time, you don't want to be lighter, you want to be leaner, right? So it's not about just losing weight, it's about losing the right weight, right? And to try to maintain your muscle mass and to try to lose your excess fat mass, you know, is the goal of, of sort of becoming more becoming healthier in your journey. Um, and so we have the ability to measure body composition, things like that in clinic where you can get a body composition scale for home too, but they're not quite as accurate as the, you know, $8,000 machine we have in the office. So, you know, it is a little bit, you know, you kind of get what you pay for in that technology at the moment, at least in healthcare. What do you think about uh, some of these kind of interesting diet, like over the last couple of years, there've been some interesting new uh, diets that have been uh, put out into the world, right? Like the the all the meat only 
uh, diets. Um, there was that guy. I don't know if you ever saw him. The that he got in trouble. The Liver King. And he's like, I only eat liver. So, what what do you think about? You know, we're we're in a very social world nowadays. People are sharing some of these, whether they're they're tested or not. Um, you know, what what is your I guess word of of caution to people that are maybe trying to dive into some of these maybe untested diets and. And do you ever laugh when you see some of these things? Like, where did this even come from? I do. You know, so we have, I'm a very much middle of the road type of person, right? You know, and I think that, um, uh, for, first of all, diets don't work, right? You have to live into a lifestyle that works for you long term, right? You have to, um, we all have to work on improving our dietary quality all the time. Because the world we live in sort of naturally is not out there to help us right, the stuff that we have in our environment, all the ultra processed food, you know, is really what is a challenge to our biology today to handle. And so again, we all have to try to manage that. But what I like to tell patients in sort of a nutshell is that it's about planned portions of plants and protein. So again, I mean, and if you look at all these diets, you know, X, Y, Z, right? What a lot of them have in common is they're all about having protein and having plants plants being vegetables, fruits, you know, and fruit to a certain extent, depending on the, the dietary pattern, right? But we have some data that the sort of Mediterranean lifestyle, which is just full of a lot of whole foods, right? Things that don't come out of boxes, things that come out of the earth, right? So if you have planned portions of plants and protein, you say to yourself, am I having a protein? Am I having a plant? And you are, you're having carrots and hummus, let's say, that's a protein in the hummus and a plant, you know, in the carrots and also the hummus is a plant too, right? Happens to be a twofer. You know, that's, that's a pretty good lifestyle to live into long-term. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see all the different, uh, some, some warranted, some made up, uh, diets that have kind of come onto the scene. And once you start seeing it go crazy on, on social media, uh, it's, it's really into the liver King one really cracked me just seeing someone uh, bite into raw liver. And it's, it's like, gross. this is how I got this, this huge right was because of this. And it's like putting maple, maple sugar, uh, like maple syrup on liver, just eating it. Like, Oh man. Um, I know that the, yeah. they can't see my faces I'm making, but you know, <laughs> making faces. Oh, it's yeah. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, I, I, I would love to, to also hear your thoughts on I, I don't I, I don't mean it in like a bad way right but the ozempic craze right because you and I were talking a little bit before this um, one of the positives of it is that it seems like people started talking about obesity even more with with ozempic talk talk me through this the ozempic craze like what we're going through what your thoughts are on it and maybe if you could hit upon um, with anything right there are pros and cons we only ever kind of hear about the pros but um, I, I think people just need to be aware of you know. Uh, other stuff as well. Yeah, it's very important. I mean, we have, like I said, the Obesity Medicine Association has been around since 1950. So we have been treating people with obesity for quite some time. Um, and we've had medications for obesity that whole time. But our medications for obesity were not nearly as effective as the current medications for obesity treatment, which is semaglutide. So semaglutide is um, ozempic, or when it's used for weight management, it's Wegovy. And so again, the issue is that, you know, the Ozempic is for diabetes. So it was initially launched for diabetes treatment. 
and then you know subsequently launched for um, obesity treatment as we go the so the differentiator there is that if you look at the amount of patients who are able to be successful with a 20% weight loss, which is not unreasonable for people to want, like you're 250 pounds and you want to weigh 200, you wanna lose 50 pounds, that's 20% of your initial weight. The patients that are able to do that with a lifestyle program alone are only about 10% of people. So only about 10% of people can accomplish that goal with lifestyle treatment alone. If you look at our older medications, now you're up to about 15 to 20% of people that are able to get that 20% that weight loss, that 50 pound weight loss. When you add in medication like semaglutide, which is Ozempic and Wegovy, now you have 40% of people. So double the amount of people that are able to get into that 50 pound weight loss goal. So because it's so clinically effective like that, it got a lot of people excited about it because finally there was something that could actually help them achieve their goal that they wanted to achieve where they weren't able to before. They weren't one of the 10% that was able to do that with a lifestyle program, but now they're one of the 40% that's able to do that with a, a, a drug treatment in addition to um, lifestyle modification. With our new medication that just launched uh, this past week, two weeks ago, uh, which is Zepbound or Terzepatide is, a, is the, um, the full name for it. Now 60% of people are able to get into that 20% or 50 pound weight loss. So again, a much more effective medication that, that just came out. But as you mentioned, with any medication treatment, you not only have to weigh the benefits, but you have to talk about the risks too. So there are side effects with any medication. And with this class of medications in particular, which are called GLP-1 agonists, the biggest side effects are gastrointestinal or stomach side effects. So diarrhea, constipation, nausea, sometimes vomiting even. And so again, you know, making sure those side effects are manageable because nobody wants to sort of lose weight at all costs, right? We want people to be losing weight in a manner that's, that's healthful and uh, that is, you know, um, they can live into long-term, right? You, you're not going to run around feeling miserable all the time is not a good way to be. Yeah. It's, it's interesting though, how everything has some, some effect, right? I had uh, an elderly relative that uh, had bad knees because they were a bricklayer. And so the, their, their knees were, they were in pain for their knees because they couldn't move around much. Um, they, their heart health started, well, they all they, they were a smoker as well. So they, they were smoking, they had bad knees. So the heart health went down because they weren't having enough exercise. The heart medication ended up uh, affecting the kidneys. Over time, the kidneys got affected and then they had to go on dialysis. It, it's, it's interesting though, how there yeah. is, but that's, but a big part, right? Is why I think it's so important what you're doing. So much of that is also tied uh, to obesity and that management of, of, of your weight and being healthy, you know, healthy body you know, composition. Um, right. I, I think that's why it's so important to have these conversations because if we can stop people maybe getting to the point where as you get older, everything, it, it doesn't necessarily get better anyhow, right. From a health perspective. So, <laughs> right, right. It, but it, it definitely, we can position ourselves um, to be a much healthier, you know, version of ourselves so that maybe those issues don't come up. Right. Yeah, and in fact, at Knownwell, we're also offering care to uh, our pediatric patients, our adolescents uh, that have obesity as well, or metabolic health concerns. So we have a program for, you know, that goes down to the age of 12 at the moment, 
in order to uh, treat patients, you know, even early on in their life, you know, 20% of our adolescents in the country uh, have excess weight and obesity. And so again, they need access to care too, so that they can, you know, prevent some of those later stage diseases, as you were mentioning. From a pediatric perspective, like what's, what's the youngest that, that you would end up working with? Well, I myself personally have worked with kids down to the age of two, actually, that have obesity, severe obesity. They typically have some sort of genetic reason uh, for that. But in my career, I've worked with uh, children down to the age of two. But, um, but at Knownwell, we are uh, working with adolescents. So we're going to limit it to the sort of adolescent population, you know, the teenagers, uh, where we usually type it, typically cut it off at age 12 or above. Super interesting. Uh, last, last question for you. You know, you, you kind of talked a little bit about it earlier, but what's next for Knownwell? What's next for uh, the Ob- Obesity Medicine Association moving forward? Yeah, so for Knownwell, like I said, we're going to open a, a clinic and in an, another area, right, of the country. We have not yet decided that yet, or nor can I, you know, sort of say where that's going, but strategically, but the idea is to expand access, right, to this comprehensive, holistic, unbiased, non-stigmatizing care for patients um, of all sizes and, uh, you know, to deliver that care to them longitudinally, you know, over time to be there for them throughout the course of their lifetime. And then for the OMA, we're actually launching a campaign called our Treat or Refer campaign. And that's the idea that educating both clinicians as well as educating the public that no longer is it sort of okay for your doctor or your your care provider to not offer you care for obesity if you want it. If you if you don't want it, that's fine too. I mean, people can choose, you know, what they want to treat in their healthcare. But if but it's no longer okay for a clinician just to say to you, well, just eat less and exercise more, it'll be okay. Right. And yet you've tried that multiple times and you've gotten the same result, uh, which is that you lose the same five pounds and gain the same five pounds back again. Right. And if that's the case, then you need to be referred to somebody. Either that clinician needs to learn how to treat it or that clinician needs to refer you to somebody who knows how to treat it, which are the five thousand or actually we're up to like sixty five hundred, I think now um, board certified obesity medicine uh, clinicians in the country. So again, the idea is don't take sort of no for an answer as a patient, meaning, you know, fight for access to care and fight for access to medication therapy, because that's another big issue in our country is is that obesity care is not a standard benefit on your insurance policy. So because it's not a standard benefit, um, it's not accessible to all at the moment. And we're really trying to fix that, you know, at the insurance level as well. I am so glad that we were able to have this conversation here today and really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Can't wait to already have you come back on again. Maybe we'll get you on a panel. We'll dive deeper, but uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.